We've been looking at the apostles on Sunday evening, the original 12, and we've had lessons dealing with each one of them, and hopefully we have learned something uh, unique about each individual and a lesson that will help us to be better Christians, realizing the work that they did and the life that they sacrificed for the cause of Christ. Maybe it will be an encouragement to all of us. Uh, realizing that we're in this uh, together with them, uh, striving to serve our God, to spread His kingdom throughout this world, and hopefully to be a light to the world. We can look out in our world today and we realize that there's a lot of desperate people, a lot of people that are in a lost condition. Some don't know where to turn, don't know how to get out of the situation that they're in. And I believe that the answer is found in God's Word. And as messengers of God, we need to be willing and able to take that message out into the world. We heard a lesson this morning looking at the prayer of Jesus. Hopefully that will motivate us and help us understand that we need to be like our Lord, that we need to be like Jesus, and that we need to have the priorities in the right place, and we need to be evangelistic. And again, as we talk about that abundant life, we need to have the love for those that are lost. And until we have that love for those that are lost, there's not much going to change in our lives. Because we need to love God, but we also need to be concerned and have a love for our fellow man. And so God has given us a responsibility that He expects you and I to live up to. And so let us strive to be what God wants us to be. Tonight we look at the last apostle that we're going to be looking at, of the original twelve. And that is Judas. And unfortunately, Judas is one that I would rather not talk about. But I think that there's some valuable lessons in Judas, in the life that he lived, and even in his death, that will help us to avoid certain things. And it will help us to be better people. We look at Judas, he is the most tragic and despicable character to walk across the stage of the Bible. When we look at Judas, it was a name that meant praise the Lord or praise of the Lord. And Judas was then an honorable name. And it comes from the word Judah. Matthew and Mark, they refer to Judas as a betrayer. Luke and John refer to Judas as a traitor. The name Judas is a synonym for evil. When we think of Judas, we don't think good thoughts. We usually think of how he portrayed Jesus and what he did behind Jesus' back. Even though Jesus knew that his friend was going to betray him, Jesus knew that Judas was that individual, it was no surprise when it took place. Jesus knew that it was going to happen. The name Judas, as I said, is, is mentioned also with evil. In fact, the goat that is used to lure the sheep into the slaughterhouse, that when that goat goes in, he goes one way and all the sheep go the other and they, they, they lose their life. And that, sheep, or that goat is referred to as a Judas goat. There's also a Judas tree which has delicious looking fruit, but the fruit is bitter. And it's called a Judas tree. The word Iscariot means a man of Kerioth. Judas's father, Simon, was called Iscariot. Kerioth was a city south of Hebron in Judea. Judas Iscariot was one, only one of the twelve, not of Galilee. The Judeans looked down at those that were there are those from Galilee as uncultured. We don't know when Jesus, Judas was called to be a disciple. The Bible doesn't tell us. 
We see where others were called. We see where they were bending their nets. We see where they were sitting at the seat of custom. Uh, We see different places where people were called. But Judas, we have no record of when he was called. Some say that he was a disciple of John the Baptist. Again, as I've mentioned in every single lesson, sometimes I wonder where they come up with these things, how they find these things out, or if they just make it up. But that's what some say about Judas, that he was a disciple of John the Baptist. And others believe that he most likely was called when Jesus traveled through Judea. To say the least, Judas is one of the most puzzling characters in the Bible. When we think of him, there are a lot of questions that arise in our minds, that come to our, to our mind. Why did certain things happen? We're going to talk about some of those questions, and we probably won't have the answer, but we can have some more speculation if that's what you want to call it. First question that we want to deal with is, why did Jesus choose Judas as an apostle? Did Judas have any good in him at all? And I believe that the answer to that is yes. I believe all people have good in them. And sometimes we just remember the bad or the evil that we see in some individuals. But I think that we can look at Judas as someone who left his family. He left the business, if he had one, to be an apostle. He also taught the lost sheep of the house of Israel because he was one of the individuals that Jesus sent out. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 5, it says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Judas was one of those twelve that went out to teach the lost lost sheep of uh, the house of Israel. He apparently was skilled somehow in handling money because he was the treasurer. For the twelve, as we see in John chapter 12 and verse 6. And when Jesus revealed that one of the twelve would betray Him, Jesus or Judas, along with all the others, asked, Is it I? I believe on that occasion Judas knew that He was the one. It wasn't something that He was forced to do. It was a choice that He made. But none of the other apostles had any reason to expect that He was the one to betray Jesus. Some say Jesus chose Judas to fulfill Old Testament prophecies. In Psalms chapter 41 and verse 9, we find one of those prophecies which says, Yea, my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat my bread, had lifted up his heel against me. In Psalms chapter 109 and verse 8, Let his days be few, and let another take his office. In Zechariah chapter 11, beginning in verse 12, it says, And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. For they weighed for my price thirty pieces of silver. All those Old Testament prophecies, and there are others that that involve Jesus and His betrayal, all of those had to be fulfilled. But did Jesus look out there and say, Judas, you're the one that's going to do all of those things to me. And you have no choice in the matter. I don't believe that God operates that way. I believe that God gave Judas a choice. And Judas is one of those individuals that was choosing the wrong path. He may have started out right, but he ended up wrong. And many people choose that path. Many people can start out right, but they end up in the wrong direction, going in the wrong direction. So Judas had a choice. And I think that that's sometimes a challenge for us to understand 
how could God prophesy these things and Judas do it and Judas not be predestined to do those evil things? How is it that God knows those things, but yet He doesn't make someone do it? Well, God knows what's going to happen. But He does not make us make those choices to do the good or the evil. That's a choice that you and I make. And sometimes we can look out into the future and we can see that someone is headed down a path. And we know what's going to happen if they continue down that path. And sometimes they end up where we think they're going to end up because they're making the choices way back here that's going to affect them way on down the road. And so it shouldn't be amazing to us to know that God knows what we're going to choose. Again, He's not making us do that. It gets back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, sometimes you hear people say, he had no choice in the matter because God turned his heart or hardened his heart. Well, how did God harden his heart? God hardened his heart by making demands of Pharaoh that Pharaoh refused to give in to. That's how his heart was hardened. There's a passage, I believe it's in Isaiah, that talks about God created evil. Did He really create evil? When He created good, the opposite of that would be evil. And so, it's the opposite. So by creating good, evil came into the world. It's sort of like light and dark. When He made light, obviously we know what the light did. It drove away the darkness. And so we need to understand that His foreknowledge doesn't mean that we're predestined. The only predestination that we see in Scripture is that if we follow God's plan, if we follow His plan of salvation, then heaven will be our home. That's what God's telling us. And so we look at Judas. In Acts chapter 1, verse 20, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Lest his habitation be desolate, or let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take. Again, prophesied in the Old Testament what was going to take place. Others suggest that he chose Judas to show that a man could associate with with the godly and never be spiritually changed. Maybe that's possible. Maybe that wasn't the case. But we can definitely see that there was no greater teacher, no greater influence than Jesus Christ Himself. And Judas associated with him, but yet we see the choice that Judas made. I think that that's a a great commentary on our Lord. Because our Lord could have made Judas do what he did, but he didn't. He could have made Judas to be perfect, but he didn't. The same with you and me. He created us to have a free will to choose the path that we want to choose. He tells us, what path we we should take. He tells us our purpose here in this life, but sometimes we don't want to heed it. Judas made the wrong choices. Many biblical scholars uh, conjecture that uh, Jesus chose Judas to show that money was the root of all kinds of evil. Well, you know, sometimes we might be able to get that lesson, but is that really the purpose that Jesus chose Judas we know that the Bible teaches us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, <clears throat> which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 
So we know that money can impact people, it can have an influence on people, and cause them to do evil. The love of that money. Not the money itself, but the love for that money. The lust, the desire to have it. Sometimes people have sold their soul in order to have money. Perhaps Jesus chose Judas to show the forbearance and long-suffering of God. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. We can be thankful for God's long-suffering and His forbearance. Imagine what, we're, what situation we would find ourselves in if God was intolerant of everything that we did and struck us dead the moment we did something wrong. There wouldn't be any of us here tonight. So we can be thankful for God's long-suffering. We can be thankful for His forbearance. I think a good suggestion is that God chose, or Jesus chose Judas <clears throat> so that He could be tempted in all points like as to we like as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Think about Jesus and His relationship with Judas. How would you treat someone that you were traveling around with, teaching people the Gospel, and you knew that that was the one that was going to betray you? How would you treat that individual? We don't find anywhere where Jesus treated Judas harshly, said mean things to him, he did rebuke him. But Jesus treated Judas just like He would anyone else. And so our next question is, why would Judas choose to become an apostle? <clears throat> Some say that he was sincere and truly wanted to be an apostle. And maybe that's true. Maybe when he started out, he was sincere in his desire to follow Jesus. But maybe something happened over the course of time. Others suggest that Judas became a disciple so that the Old Testament prophecies could be fulfilled. This view, as we've kind of alluded to, portrays Judas as a robot, unable to control his destiny, that he would have had no choice in the matter. Judas was not foreordained to betray Jesus and to be damned. Brethren, there are some things that happen in this life that are not God's will. And people sometimes say that bad things happen in someone's life. Well, and, and the response is, well, that's just the will of God. That is not the will of God. Sometimes things are evil, and that is not the will of God. Sometimes people make the wrong choices. That's not the will of God. We need to understand that and accept that. That Judas chose to do what he did freely. It was a decision of His will. All men can come to Christ to be saved. Judas had that same opportunity. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, beginning, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brethren, that call, that pleading of Jesus goes out to all of mankind, everyone. And we can look out in the world and we can see some very wicked and evil people. Jesus has given that invitation to them. We see some that are sincere, but yet they're not Christians. That invitation goes out to them. In fact, the invitation goes out to all of us. In in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, And this this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of truth. God wants everyone to be saved. You say, well, if He wanted everyone to be saved, why don't He just save everybody? I believe the answer is simple. Not everybody wants to be saved. Jesus gives us a choice. God gave us a choice. And He created us in the beginning to have that free will. And so He wants us to be willing servants of His. Yes, we talk about being a bondservant of Christ, a slave of Christ, a servant. Terms that we don't like to use in our everyday life in our reference to other relationships that we have. That's what God says we are. And we do that because that's what we want to do. We are a slave of Christ if we are a child of His. We are a servant of His if that's what we want to be. Like Judas, we have a choice. God wants us all to be saved. The question is, do you want to be saved? Could Judas have been chosen to become a, a disciple? Because he meant to betray Jesus. By that I mean when he was chosen. Did he look at Jesus and say, "This I want to betray Him. This is my plan. In other words, he saw Jesus as an enemy of Israel. Some sources believe that Judas was a zealot. That he wanted the kingdom, the original kingdom of Israel, to be established. He looked at Rome as an occupier, wanted them driven out. And he wanted to restore what Israel once had. We don't know if that's true or not. There are those that also think that Judas had the wrong ideal concerning the nature of Jesus and His kingdom. Many then believe that Judas was looking for a physical kingdom and Jesus as a king on an earthly throne. And I believe that a lot of the disciples had that thought until they came to the realization after His death that that was not the plan. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6, "...when they therefore were come together, they asked of Him, saying, Lord, would Thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel?" They wanted to go back and have what they once had. But that was not God's plan. So our next question is, why did Judas betray Jesus? Could he have been disillusioned about the kingdom? Well, that's possible. Maybe Jesus didn't turn out to be what he thought Jesus was going to be. Was Judas motivated by vindictiveness after his rebuke by Jesus? 
in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. It says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. We talked a couple of weeks ago about this particular situation, and we realized that this perfume was worth thousands of dollars. By our standard, it would be worth about $20,000. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said not that he cared for the poor, <clears throat> but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Then Jesus said, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. When we look in Matthew's account, when we read of that event, Beginning in verse 6, it says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, <clears throat> a very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. <clears throat> Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this, memorial, that this woman hath done be told for a memorial unto her. And then the very next verse, verse 14, it says, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest. And if you read the rest of the story, that's when he conspired for the price. So perhaps it was that motivation that he was rebuked that motivated him to turn against Jesus. Maybe. But maybe he also allowed greed and covetousness <clears throat> to change his character. Little by little, over that period of time that he spent with Jesus. Judas <clears throat> may have not been the same man that he started out to be when he ended up with Jesus in the end. In other words, maybe he started out with good intentions. But he didn't finish that way. We see people like that sometimes. I see elders. I've seen preachers. Some well-known preachers. That were very faithful. But then in the end, over the course of time, they turned away from God. Perhaps that's what happened to Judas. Perhaps we might put it this way. Judas allowed the devil to take over his life. <clears throat> John chapter 6, verse 70. 
Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? In Luke chapter 22 and verse 3, Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. In John chapter 13 and verse 2, and the supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. John chapter 14 and verse 8, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. John chapter 13 and verse 21, When Jesus had thus said, He was troubled in spirit, and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. John chapter 13, verses 26 through 27. Jesus answered, He it is to whom I give a sop. When I have dipped it, and when he had dipped the sop, He gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, and after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, Thou that doest, that that thou doest, do quickly. John chapter 13 and verse 28. Now no man at the table knew of what intent he spake unto this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. The devil did not possess Judas. Judas gave in to the temptation that the devil placed before him. It's just like you and I. We can have God living in us or we can have Satan living in us. We make that choice. And we can be influenced by the world which is under the devil's control or we can be under under the control of God. Which choice do we want to make? And so Judas was given a choice and he gave in to the temptation. And I'm sure that we can relate to that sometimes where... We know we should not do what we're about to do, but we allow the devil to tempt us to the point that we give in to the temptation, even though we know that we should not. And we do what the devil wants us to do. And so we're serving him. Why? Because we've allowed his influence into our heart and into our mind. Judas had a choice. Judas made the wrong choices. You say, but all those Old Testament prophecies, they were all true. But it didn't have to be Judas. It could have been someone else. But Judas made the wrong choices. When we look at that event, it was the night of, or at the time of the Passover. The Passover supper had been observed. The Lord and His disciples were reclining. They leaned upon their left elbow and they ate with their right hand. John was on the right 
Jesus was in the middle. Most likely, Judas was on the left of the Lord. He was in a place of honor. Jesus had told them that He was going to be betrayed. He had told them when He went to Jerusalem that He was going to die. They did not believe it. I'm of the persuasion that the only people in that room that knew what was going to transpire that night was Jesus and Judas. I base that upon their reaction with what it said there in that verse that I just read. Now no man at the table knew of what intent he spake unto him. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag that Jesus had sent unto him, buy those things that we that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. To be given the sop by the host would have been a great honor. The Passover reminded them of their slavery in Egypt and God's deliverance from the hand of Pharaoh. Think about the significance of the Passover and Jesus being the sacrificial lamb that was offered to deliver us from the bondage of sin. In Matthew chapter 26, we can see the betrayal. One of the twelve called Judas Iscariot, beginning at verse 14, went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they coveted with him for thirty pieces of silver. On that night, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. That had transpired. His dealing with the chief priest had transpired before the Lord's Supper was instituted. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 30, it says that when they had sung a hymn, they went out unto the Mount of Olives. In Luke chapter 22, verses 1-6, through 6, it says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill Him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, <clears throat> being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and the captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and coveted with him to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. You think Jesus knew what was going on? You think Jesus knew what Judas was about to do? Matthew chapter 26, beginning of verse 47. While he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave a sign saying, Whosoever I shall kiss, the same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. 
The first time we read about Satan was in the Garden of Eden. In the form of a serpent, a snake. I've heard it said that if you listen to the word kiss, you hear the heart of the devil's kiss. It's kind of the hiss of a snake. When Judas kissed Jesus, we might say that heaven and hell met. The son of perdition and the son of God came together in one of the most treacherous moments in all of human history. Jesus had been betrayed. Had been betrayed by a friend. Like some of the apostles, we have to rely upon history or legend to determine how they died. Not so with Judas. We can see the bitter end of Judas in Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 1. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put Him to death. And when they brought Him, they led Him away and delivered Him to Pontius Pilate the governor. And then Judas which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Judas realized what he'd done and his conscience was bothering him. But I want you to listen to their reply. What is that to us? See thou to that. Isn't that the response that we get sometimes? When we do something that we know we shouldn't, somebody's encouraging us to do it. And then we repent. We're sorry for what we did. And we talk to them, and they don't really care. These individuals who should have been concerned about souls could have cared less about Judas. And my friend, there's many people out there in the world that could care less about your soul. They only want you to do what they want so that sometimes you can be just as miserable in sin as they are. They did not care about Judas. He goes on to tell us in verse 5, And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. What a tragic ending for someone who had been associated with our Lord. Judas repented. He had regret. His conscience bothered him. But unlike Peter, who was motivated by godly sorrow, as we see mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, Judas was conscious stricken. He returned the 30 pieces of silver and then went out and committed suicide. 
In Acts chapter 1 and verse 18, it says he fell headlong and burst asunder in the mist with his bowels gushing out. Judas went to his own place as we read in Acts chapter 1 and verse 25 that he might take part in this ministry and the apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place. On that occasion, they were choosing Matthias or chose Matthias to replace Judas. But what a tragic ending. The blood money that was used, and another thing that I think is kind of interesting, they couldn't put it back in the treasury because it was blood money. But when they were negotiating with uh, Judas, you notice they didn't say anything about it being blood money. But they couldn't put it in the treasury of the Lord because it was blood money. And so they took that money and they went out and they bought a field <clears throat> to bury strangers in. And that's where Judas was laid to rest. And that was the fulfillment of the prophecy that is found in Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 13. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it into the potter a goodly price, and I will praise prize at them. And I took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> What can we learn from Judas? I think the most important lesson that we can learn from Judas is that any man, any woman, can fall. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh, that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. I said this morning, don't ever give up. Don't ever quit. Keep fighting the fight. Finish the course. Keep the faith. Don't ever say, it'll never happen to you that you would quit. Because here the Scripture shows us that anyone can fall. We should never even think about sin. <clears throat> thoughts that turn, when we think about sin, those thoughts turn to action. Actions can become habits. Habits become character. Character determines our eternal destiny. And Judas is a good example of this. Judas teaches us that one can be religious and still be lost. That he can hang around with the right people, but still be lost. And finally, let us learn this. They can become too late to genuinely repent. <clears throat> In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God <clears throat> afresh and put Him to an open shame. Don't get to the point where your heart becomes seared and you no longer want to accept Jesus. You no longer want to follow Him. The Bible gives us warning after warning about the pitfalls that are out there in this life. Avoid those things. Stay away from those things. 
Think about who you associate with. Are they helping you to be a Christian? Are you helping them to be a Christian? <clears throat> or is that a bigger influence for the world? We can learn a lot from the apostles. Not only the doctrine, but the things that they did. The life that they lived. Let Judas inspire us to be faithful to God. To put our trust in Him. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's what we need to do in order to have salvation. Tonight, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can do so. Come and have a seat up here on the front row. As together we stand and sing.